today's podcast is one I actually found buried in the archives, and it was set as private. So it's one you probably couldn't even find if you went searching for it. And it's our first interview with Brennan Marion, who is now the receivers coach at Pitt. Pitt is just tearing it up on offense. He's a big part of that. And it's no surprise that coaches had a, a successful climb through the ranks. When we talked to him here in his first interview, he was at Howard University, and this was really a fun one. I really enjoyed this one with Coach. And, and again, no surprise that he's climbed the ranks and is at the FBS level now helping with a high-performing offense, and I certainly expect to see more from him in the future. So here's one from the archives. You'll really enjoy it. Coach Brennan Marion, now the receivers coach at Pitt. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. Coach, let's get into your background a little bit. Let's start with this question. Why did you become a football coach? Oh, I've always loved the game, and I was blessed to have some great football coaches, and they made it a seamless transition of, you know, when I got done playing to go straight into coaching. I wanted to be just like, you know, some of the great mentors, and, you know, a lot of those guys were, you know, father figures for me. Coach, what was your track into coaching after you finished your playing days? Well, I first got in, uh, when I first started coaching, I actually uh, was on injury reserve for the Miami Dolphins, and uh, one of my friends told me, you know, this will really lift your skin instead of working with the kids, and I went out and started helping out of high school and really just started off just helping, and then, you know, the head coach asked me, hey, can you, you know, really run that offensive stuff that you guys ran at Tulsa, and you guys were like the best offense ever, and then, you know, I ended up being started off as an offensive coordinator in high school, and you know, my first year coaching and calling plays and, you know, putting the pass game together and putting the game plan together. So I really didn't know what I was going at first. I was just kind of running stuff that I'd ran and ran in college, and we ended up being really, really successful that year. So it kind of worked out. And how did you get into coaching at the college level then? Uh, coaching at the college level, actually, you know, when I was a high school head coach, uh, tons, of, tons of college coaches would come by, and they kept telling me how, you know, what I was doing was really, really good. And, they really liked the, you know, my my knowledge, my football knowledge, my information that I was giving the kids and what my kids were able to run and, and do. And, you know, they just kept encouraging me, like, man, you should really try college. And, you know, I, I ended up giving it a shot after I won Coach of the Year in Pennsylvania and, and went out to Arizona State and, you know, started working with uh, Todd Graham, my old uh, head coach, who was my head coach at the University of Tulsa, and Mike Mavell, who was my receiver coach at Tulsa. He was the offense coordinator there. Coach, as you transition into being a coach, I'm sure there's a lot of lessons you learned. Looking back on it, what would you say were some key things you learned that impacted your development as a coach? The, the biggest thing that I learned, I actually got a chance to, to have a, a guy on my team who had, who had autism. And uh, at first, you know, it was really just saying he could be a part of the team. His mom had asked me, you know, could he be on the team? And and, uh, and I was like, yeah, no, no problem, you know. And I didn't know, you know, obviously I didn't think that he would, you know, play for us or anything like that. He also, he, he, you know, one of the things, he was a great kid, and he always lightened the mood. And in meetings, he would, you know, have different outbursts and make the team laugh and you know, and and the guys started asking me towards the season, like, if we start blowing teams out, can he play? You know, coach, will you put him in a game if we blow this team out? And and just to, you know, it doesn't matter if a guy's a superstar or, you know, zero, zero ability, you know, that guys love that guy so much, that, you know, Eric was his name, that they, that they would blow teams out just so he could get in a game, like, just to 
rundown on kickoff, but just to like just be on the field and and that's when I really realized, you know, like people only focus on their star players the majority of the time when you're coaching. And you know, from one to one hundred is important when you're a coach. And and that's and that's one of the lessons that I learned, you know, just how hard guys would work for somebody who obviously didn't have the physical ability to really be a football player at a high level and they and they would do everything to make sure he played the game and, and I and I really respected that and learned a lot from that. Coach, now at Howard University you have that opportunity as the offensive coordinator to kind of build that part of a culture into your offensive unit. How do you make sure that, you know, everybody within your team has a role, understands their role and you know, how does that build into a culture for you i think the biggest thing that you, you know uh, that i would you know the advice that i give to young coaches is first guys have to know you and trust you so I, you know my biggest thing is always telling the guys who i am what i am what i'm about and not only just telling them but showing them every day who i am being consistent with them. and then secondly the biggest thing we do is you know, I'm going to do everything possible to put them in a position to be successful themselves, you know. So anybody who tries to progress you and gives you love and, and nurturing and, and it makes you more aware about life, you know, it is definitely a, a, a bonus in your life. So what I'm doing there is, you know, I'm building these guys up. So first I tell them who I am, then I build them up. And, and then I challenge them to get better. So then the third thing, you know, to create a culture, you, you know, it's just challenging the guys like, you know, what, are you satisfied with yesterday? Do you want to get better today? You know, just trying to teach them how to still an inch and compete every day. And and then the fourth thing is, you know, open door policy. I, I let guys come in, you know, whether it's, you know, I taught kids how to play spades, how to play dominoes, how to play top, you know, just like different little games, you know, aside from football, bowling, service events, you know, because it can't be all about football all the time or, or guys will just get burnt out. So, you know, just getting to know them with different games and, and, and bowling and, you know, community service, just doing different things just to, you know, you know, lighten the mood a little bit and, you know, build a personal relationship with them. Coach, tell us a little bit about the offense that you put together at Howard University. Uh, well, we'll feature, you know, we'll always be up-tempo, you know, I believe in the up-tempo. You know, if a guy can't breathe, he's not going to play good, you know, being the opposing team. So if you practice your tempo every day, um, I, I think that it's, a, you know, it's definitely, you know, trying to create a fifth quarter, uh, run 100 plays a game that puts a lot of stress on the defense. Uh, we'll be multiple in formation. Uh, we'll try to be multiple, but, you know, we're going to be run, run-oriented. We want to we want to start the game with the run, and we want to finish the game with the run. And obviously we're going to try to, you know, uh, take shots down the field. So we're we're definitely, you know, run run more more than we pass you know, type of offense, and, and we'll get multiple in formation. Coach, what do you do when a team starts to load the box on you? How do you how do you approach that? Being a team that wants to run the football, um, I think you have to be able to shift and, and and get to empty formations. I think you have to do things to lighten the box. I think there's a lot of RPO tags and stuff that you can add on to your runs that'll that'll make it successful. You know, simple, easy read for the quarterback to get the ball out based off of you know an extra guy, uh, an extra hat. So you just have to know your personnel. And, and you know, there's I always say there's four guys that are on the defense, three to four guys that are to stop the pass. The rest of the guys are run stoppers. So however the defense lines those guys up, you know, whether it be a boundary safety or an adjuster to the field. You know, guys trying to you know add an extra hat to the box. Uh, you can do different things to throw off of him. 
RPO has really become a big part of the game, especially for those teams who want to focus on the run, yet not not always be tied to it, that they can take advantage of the defense. So the RPO becomes a big part of their passing game. What are some of your favorite RPOs that you've installed? Um, I'd I, I like to just really um, talk about Howard right now. You know, we actually have quarterbacks who can, can, can beat you with their legs. So, you know, just getting things on the outside where they're, where they're already running one way and they have some options of what they're looking at on the outside. So, so whether it's like a bubble or, you know, a wheel down the field, you know, something where they're already attacking the perimeter and their eyes are already that way. You know, if they do decide to pull the ball, you know, that there's something out there for them. Uh, to release the ball if somebody comes to you know make the play on them. What's the run scheme you like to pair with those runs that get out on the edge? Or, or I'm sorry, those passes. Um, I think you have to. I think you have to attack something to every run. I mean, you're talking about all the run, um, um, whether we're running you know power counter, inside zone, outside zone. Um, I think you have to just like you're multiple in the passing game and formations. You have to be multiple in the run. You can't get stuck. You know, just trying to beat your head off the wall with one run scheme. I know a lot of teams just try to spend one time on one run scheme, and I think that's what, what's made, you know, guys like Gus and Coach Norvell and, you know, Chad Morris and those guys that are part of the coaching tree that I'm kind of involved with is, you know, we're, we're multiple in our, in our runs. You know, we don't get stuck on, on one run. And obviously you're you're building off what you've learned from those guys. But what would you say if I sat down and listened to you talk about your offensive at a clinic? Uh, what's something I would find unique to what you guys do? You know, our, our, our boundary and, and field stuff, uh, what we do, our formations are definitely, you know, unique. Um, you know, because one thing that, you know, a lot of guys, you say, oh, you're so young, you know, cause I'm, I'm not 30 yet, you know, so a lot of guys get me up on me about age and but when you sit down and talk to me you know a, a lot of the guys that will be around me real football guys will understand that i'm a student of the game and i've studied the game all the way back to you know 1920s 1930s 1940s 50s 60s and so you'll see formations that you might haven't seen in a long time you know if you haven't seen in 50 60 years that will run you know with with new school principles and stuff and and that's one of the things that'll make us unique Talk to us a little bit about some of those formations. Uh, I like to study the game that far back to have, you know, books on my shelf by guys like, you know, Newt Rockney and some unknowns. Um, what are some of those formations from a long time ago that you like to implement in, in your offense today? You know, I'm really big into the whole four and the air study. I mean, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm really, really into it to see, like, you know, that was a part of the game from 1960 all the way to like the mid nineties of, you know, having two guys in the backfield and, you know, what the, what type of challenge that presents for the defense to have, you know, an F and an H in the backfield and, you know, if they can both go out on pass routes, they can both run the ball, they can both, you know, be in a protection. I mean, there's so many different things you can do with that. So that that's one of the things that, you know, I'm gonna to try to bring back to football and and, and do this season. Coach, you ever studied the uh, Notre Dame box formation? No, I would love to. I, I would, I would love to definitely. If if you have write ups on that or you know some some video, I would love to look at it and check it out. Yeah, it's a multiple back formation. Just just thinking that maybe if you were 
studying some of that stuff. I, I kind of used a modernized form of that where I was using a kind of a Notre Dame box. We would get into it with motion from a receiver and uh, the misdirection out of it was pretty good and you ended up with a, a good surface to run and you'd be able to counter back the other way with it. Just kind of an old single wing type of formation, but uh, a modernized version of it. So yeah, definitely something to look into. Yeah, that's stuff's beautiful. Anytime you can get the defense coordinator up on the night, you're doing a good job with the offense coordinator and with the asking. You know, I, I learned, you know, playing multiple sports, you know, anything that you practice long enough, you become good at it, no matter what the sport is, you know. So, if you can get your guys practicing at a high level, then execute it in the game at a high level. Coach, let's talk a little bit about practice and about your, your teaching methods. I guess even starting with what you do in the classroom, What's your approach to training these guys so that they know what they need to do to execute at a high level on game day? Uh, my biggest thing is, you know, these kids learn so many multiple ways. And, you know, growing up, I, you know, you know, we had the big attached to you're, you're not you're not smart if you don't know it this way. You know, if there was only one way you could learn things, you know, my coach would put it up on the old, you know, like projectors, you know, the – what is that deal where you where you write with your little sharpie on the deal? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I do, yeah. The uh, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So so what I try to do with guys and uh, you know what we've done here is we'll create a visual for them, you know, a video for them. Uh, we'll we'll create an audio, you know, to, to say exactly what we want them to do, and then we'll create also what we do on the board writing it out and then we'll also give them some reading material uh to have as well so they'll get like four different forms of learning and if they can't learn it that way you know then you then you have you have more challenges of trying to figure it out of of how they how they're going to learn it before they do it so we want to try to cut all the thinking out in, in the classroom you know so give them multiple ways to learn in the classroom uh before they hit the grass you know the less thinking they're doing on the grass the faster that they will play and execute. So, you know, we just try to get multiple forms of learning uh, that'll make the guy successful out on the field. What are some of the best things you're doing out on the grass in practice? Uh, you know, the biggest thing I tell everybody, and I'll, I'll do this to the to the day I to the day I die or the day I'm done coaching, is just the ball security drills. You know, the huge emphasis on on doing ball security at the beginning of practice every single day. You know, there's three or four different stations and, and, and getting to your stations and making sure you, you take care of the ball because obviously the game is foot ball, you know, without a ball, there's no, there's no game. So, you know, we got to make sure we emphasize taking care of the football every day. And that was one of the things we did great in the spring. I mean, we, we had 600 some reps of team reps and we turned the ball over 14 times. So, you know, that's pretty, pretty, pretty that's, that's, that's really, really good. You know, making sure you, you take care of the football. Coach, as we move into a game day and thinking about play calling, you know, some guys think of it more as an art and a feel for it, and some guys think of it more as a science and, and have their data and analytics throughout coming into a game and then throughout the game that help drive their decisions. How do you make your decisions on game day? What what type of way do you do it? Well, I think you have to break down every scenario and situation. You know, I think there's an analytical approach to it, and I think there's a uh, a football guy approach to it. You know, there's there's guys on the field. I mean, you can't get caught up in the X's and O's. This is what we want to run. There's certain guys you don't want to go near. There's certain guys you want to attack and take advantage of. And I think there's fields of the game. There's certain, you know, 
there's elements of that you don't control, you know, whether that be weather, stadium, how loud the stadium is, different things like that uh, that you can't control. So I think you have to look at everything um, and, and, and get something that, you know, I always say, what are you guys comfortable in running? You know, what do you guys really want to execute? What do you guys, what do you guys like? You know, there's certain stuff that you like as a coach, but if the players don't like it, it really doesn't matter because they're the ones playing. So um, I think there's a lot of different ways you have to go into it. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, being on the same page. So if it's, if it's, you know, Tuesday in the week or Wednesday in the week, you need to have the game plan ready to roll. So you guys are confident in getting some good practices in it going into the game. And I think that's been the most successful way to get the guys to execute. So uh, you have to do a little bit more work. You know, you got to be a grinder in this business. You know, right after that game is over, you got to be on to the next one, win, lose, or draw. And then you have to really, you know, stay on it and and make sure, you know, you're everybody's on the same page, seeing the right things, and then you get your analytical approach, put that all together. So by the time Tuesday hits, Wednesday hits, Thursday hits, Friday hits. The guys know exactly what they're doing, and that gives them confidence to go in the game and execute. Coach, a situation that uh, we all want to stay out of is, is third and long, but it's one that we ultimately we're going to face a number of times in a game. What's your favorite third and long play? Uh, it depends on the field position. Um, if, if I if I have a field position where we can go for it on fourth down, you know, head coach can go for it on fourth down here. Obviously, I'm going to get us in something in fourth and manageable, you know, fourth and under five that gives us a chance to, you know, go for it. And then if, if not, you know, you want to go with your your play that the players execute the best, whether that be, you know, a run call or a pass call or a draw or a screen, you, you know, whatever whatever your best screen is, whatever your best draw is, whatever your best drop back or, you know, quick game passes. You know that you know there's quick game passes where you'll get the ball to a guy quick. He can make one guy miss. You know it's based on your personnel of how you do everything. Everything's personnel, and, and everything is you know situation of can I go for it on fourth down? You know because I'm a guy who's not afraid to roll the dice and go for it on fourth down if we're in the right territory. That still puts the defense in a good situation. So if it was a third and seven, let's say open field, coach is not giving you the fourth down this past season. What would that play be for you? I'd say we either go with a motion misdirection brawl or something like that, or we would go with, you know, mesh T wheel, you know, just trying to get guys seeing if it's man or zone and, you know, trying to hit that wheel route open or, you know, a mesh concept, hitting one of the underneath guys and him catching the ball at five and getting two yards to sell. Coach, let's move forward and put the focus back on you for a little while here. Going back to the beginning for you, what's a mistake you made as a young coach and what did you learn from it? You, you know, as a young coach, you have to, you know, I, I read this on about Coach Belichick the other day. It's just, you got to get around like-minded individuals. As a young coach, I thought I could cure all. I was the cure-all for, for everybody. And, you know, not everybody has a passion, you know, as strong as your passion is as a, as a head coach or even as, you know, working with getting the right guys. That's what I love about college coaching and recruiting, you know, you go and find kids that, you know, have the same passion as you and have the same football acumen and IQ and, and, you know, really want to learn the game and be around the game as you. So, you know, just trying to – people would think I was crazy at first when I was a young coach because I just wanted to win so bad and I wanted to be football all day long every day. And, you know, in you know certain places, you know, guys are like coaches, too much football or 
you know, I don't love football that much. So, you know, just trying to think that I was a cure-all, you know, for, for everybody and, you know, just being, I wouldn't say it was over-passionate, just, you know, passion's my biggest strength and probably my biggest weakness. Coach, what's the best advice you've received in your coaching career? The best thing that I learned from Coach Malzahn was just, you know, and we just talked, what, two days ago, gear everything to the guys. It's all about the guys. Set up the, the game plan for what the guys can do. You know, what the guys can execute at a high level and let them and let them do their thing. I mean, that's that's basically everybody has a role. Identify the guys' roles and, and put them in those roles. Looking at some of those guys stepping off the field as players and heading into the, the coaching profession, thinking that they want to make it long-term, what advice would you give to those guys? Uh, first, I, I would always tell them, you know, you have to put your yourself to bed. You know, if you want to be a great coach, it's all about serving others. And a lot of times, you know, when you come from being a player, everybody's pretty much serving you. Um, and you have to really humble yourself, you know, if you come from being a professional player, even a good college player, whatever you, you come from being, uh, you have to get lost in the service of others. And, and that's really the, the, the first component of how you'll be a successful coach. And then you have to, you know, not look at it as a player anymore. You know, a lot of guys get out of playing and they still look at it as a player. Well, I could do this. Well, if your guy can't do that, it doesn't really matter what you could do. You know, so you have to really start looking at the game as a whole. One of the things, I played receivers, so I always knew what the quarterback did, the running back did, the receivers did. My biggest thing, my learning curve was learning everything that the offensive line does, making sure I knew protections. And then I had to learn exactly what all the blitzes were on defense. You know, I knew what the coverages were, but I didn't know all the blitzes. So I had to learn the fronts and blitzes and, you know, just learn the whole game because – now you are trying to get other people, you know, to, to be smart, intelligent football players and, and to be successful as a coach, you have to put yourself to bed and really, you know, look at it as a whole. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. Coach, how did you learn? What things did you focus on? What were your resources? Uh, how did you go about that education for yourself in, in learning the game and learning the things you didn't know as well? Um, I was around a lot of great coaches, and, and the thing that I did, I, I, I'm a notebook guy, so I just took notes everywhere I went, every little clinic, everything that I could get my hands on and learn from. Even from a, from a cultural standpoint, every coach that I worked for, I, I wrote down how, they, how the culture of the program was ran. You know, I had little reports on, you know, all that stuff. Just, you know, any little information, a little details I could steal. You know, I remember being in the office with Chris Ball, it was, you know, defense coordinator at Memphis now and just asking them, like, what are the routes you don't want to see? Like, what are the route combinations you don't want to see? Write that down. I mean, every little thing you can think of. Because offensive guys, I, I tell offensive guys all the time, don't, don't consider yourself. Like, I'm offense. I only need to learn offensive stuff. If you're going to be good on offense, you need to learn exactly what the defense is going to be successful on offense. So I spend a lot of time around defensive guys trying to pick their brain and see what they don't want to see from an offensive side of the ball and then, you know, and that helps. That helps uh, you know be successful on the offense. What are some of those biggest things that guys don't want to see from the offense? Uh, they don't want to see tempo. Uh, you know, they don't want to see a lot of FSL and formations into the boundary. Um, you know, if it just depends on what type of cover team they are. They don't want to see you know throws over the middle. Or if you're a cover four team, you don't want to see a lot of double post stuff. A lot of guys, if you're successful running power, I mean. You can win a championship if you can line up in 11 and 12 personnel and run power down you. You know, nobody wants to see that. 
you know, getting gas for a big gap. So it just depends on the, the coordinator and what he doesn't want to see. But, you know, the majority of teams don't, don't want to see tempo. You know, they don't want to see guys playing at an execute at a fast rate and they, they can't get their guys lined up. Flipping that question around on you, Coach, what are the things you hate to see or prefer not to see as an offensive coordinator? Um, I say the great equalizer to, to any tempo offense or any any offense, period. I mean, you don't want to see a great D-line. You don't want to see a whole bunch of war daddies up front that can get after it and everybody else can just line up and be in coverage and just kind of stand still because those guys are just getting after you up front. So, I mean, that's that's the – you know, equalizer to it all, a great D-line. I mean, I don't think any offensive coach, offensive coordinator wants to see, you know, three or four guys that can line up and just get after you, get after you. So, you know, that's that's what you don't want to see. Coach, as you, you look at this game, certainly there's a, a lot to learn, and you can always keep learning, uh, can always keep working at it. There's always more recruiting calls to make. How do you create a balance in your life to make sure that uh, it's not consuming you? Faith, family, football. Say family football, you just got to try to, you know, any football coach who tells you the majority of his day is not geared towards football, you know, is, is you know, telling you a lie. But, uh, you know, you got to really, you know, spend some time. And, you know, for me, you know, I got to spend some time in the Word. I got to spend some time, you know, with the kids and the family and, you know, just, just you know, having those moments like my mom came to the spring game, you know, taking her to eat, you know, just, just taking some time to really – you know, take a deep breath, whether that's an hour, two hours, you know, just taking a moment away from it. And I, and I love, you know, having the guys around. That really helps, you know, the young guys, you know, just teaching them, you know, playing Scrabble with them or playing, you know, going bowling, you know, any of those things that just take your, your mind off it for a moment, you, you, you know, because your mind's always on it. You know, I was in a – if I'm in a staff meeting or something, I'm writing a play or I'm thinking about a play, you know, so anything that can just take your mind off it for a moment. Is really good. What are your major concerns for the future of our game right now, and what ideas do you have that help solve some of those concerns? But the biggest issue is, you know, obviously we're we're losing a lot of the physicality in the game. You know, the, the game has gotten less and less physical, and I think uh, one of the things that that helps that, you know, being physical or at a at a young age, you know, actually helped a lot of the guys that I know that that play professional and made it to that level, you know, there, there's less – it's less thought process when you've been physical at a young age. You just understand that you're getting older and the guys get bigger. So I think you still need to have, you know, I, I think that, you know, the midget league programs and little league programs are still really huge. That We still have to have a huge emphasis and strong emphasis on those. And that's what I loved about, you know, the USA camp, guys still putting full pads on and, and getting the chance to, you know, you got to have pads on. You know, football is a, is, a, is a physical game, and I think that, you know, trying to just completely do away with being physical and still – and then and you expect somebody – you know, it's like being a boxer. You never, ever get hit in the face, and then you go in a game, or then you go into a fight and just get punched in the face. I mean, it would freak you out. So you, you need to make sure that, you know, the kids are still being physical and, and you want to kind of gear your, your, your practice – that way as well coach looking at that and especially the younger levels coaching is so important to them too especially at a, at a time like this when you know we really are focused on safety and doing things the right way what recommendations do you have for those guys who maybe have played the game at the high school level maybe played at college but now are given the task of of teaching a young very young group of players what 
what should they do to prepare themselves and how should they approach the game and how they coach it? They they got they have to be they have to be, you know, progressive thinkers and they have to be smart with the guys, you know, same you know, I always tell people it's about getting your horses to the race. You know, you they gotta be smart with the guys, you know. It's not an every day you, you hit, you know, unless they're out there and just hitting each other to death. But there's a time where, you know, they teach them the different tempos of practice. You know, it's tag mode now, it's thud mode now, it's okay, it's live now. They you they need to teach the kids those tempos so then it's a, you know, it's in, it's in the high school to college, you know, and if they get a chance to make it professionally to the, you know, so they need to have those different tempos of, of hitting. So, you know, maybe you want to teach the guys good tackling. Okay. So it's thud mode. All right. Every kid understands. All right. We're not taking them to the ground. We're not going to twist and turn them. We're not trying to hurt them. We're just going to get a good thud, you know? Okay. It's tag. Now we're just going to run by and tag off on the guy's hip. You know, just different things like that. You can be smart and, and prevent things that way, and you can give guys good practice habits, and you know, and I think that will really help kids. Coach, I th- I really appreciate that advice. It's something to learn because a lot of us who grew up playing this game didn't didn't necessarily encounter those things like thud. You know, that that might be a foreign term to a youth coach out there. You know, uh, because they were used to just hitting every single day, and I. I I think it's so important that we understand that only part of the game is contact, that there's a lot of things we can drill, that contact isn't the the focus of the drill all the time, that there's things we need for, as far as recognition, footwork, all those kinds of things that put us in a safe position to be able to use the contact. No doubt. No doubt. I think there's, you know, until you're, until you're in a live full scrimmage mode, I mean, there's really nothing that you're doing that, you know, should be, you know, just – each other. Well, Coach, we're going to jump into our two-minute drill. Go up-tempo here, something you like to do. So some really quick questions and answers, and we'll start with this one. Schematically, what's the toughest defense to face? 3-4. Uh, what's your favorite goal line play? Call power right over the loudspeaker. <laughs> Turf or grass? Grass. What's your favorite backfield set? Aye. Day game or night game? Night. If you had to run your offense from one formation, what would it be? Aye. What's your favorite quote? Too much is given, much is required. Should the kickoff be eliminated? No. If you could pick one coach from the past to learn from, who would it be? That's miles on. And from the present? Mike Tomlin. Good job on the two-minute drill, Coach. Here's the final question. What's the one thing you would point to as giving your team, your offensive unit, the winning edge? Uh, we're blessed to go against Coach Vince Brown and, and Coach, Coach Mike London every day with their – with the great defense that they that they have, Coach, how can our listeners connect with you? At Twitter, on Twitter at the Marion Four. Coach, really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and, and share some of your ideas, and uh, certainly wish you the best of luck here in 2017. All right, thanks, bud. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you again for listening to the Coach and Coordinator Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes and hit five star for rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski and follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com.